Hey, Forge family. We've been looking together at the story of Joseph, found in Genesis 37 to 50. We know how God has promoted him to be high steward, head steward, over all his father's wealth, over Jacob's flocks and herds and servants and possessions. And he's a shepherd over his ten older brothers. And then we see the plunges. You know, then we saw how Joseph is hated by his brothers and sold into slavery. But from the slave block in Egypt, Joseph rises to be head steward over all the affairs and possessions of Potiphar, head of Pharaoh's secret police. When Joseph is accused of sexual assault by Potiphar's wife, he's plunged into the jail in the house of Potiphar. But then he begins to rise and he becomes head steward in the jail, only to be forgotten by two of Pharaoh's servants. And for two years he languishes, waiting to be called into Pharaoh's presence to interpret the king's dreams. God continues to be with him, giving Joseph deep and disturbing insight into what God is about to do. And then Joseph steps up to Pharaoh to offer a plan for the rescue of the nation of Egypt. Seven years of abundance and the beginning of the savage seven years of famine brings Jacob and sons back on the scene up in Canaan. You remember last week? We saw Jacob at some, one of his lowest points, you know, having to be utterly coerced to send Benjamin to prove that his sons are not liars, they're not spies. And finally, finally he relents, whining on his way. Okay, I'm just going to die if my son doesn't come home. And then finally when, when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, who he is, and the power that he has, one of the first things he says to them, and he says it repeatedly, is, I got here to this position of authority, not because you sent me as a slave, but because God sent me ahead of the family to prepare to save you all from the famine. So when he reveals himself to his brothers, he says, my being sent here as a slave to Egypt was not your doing. It was God. All right, let's pray. Lord God, how amazing it is to see you hand pick a genetic line, a family, and then four generations later move them, as you said you would, into a nation that would ultimately enslave them. But first, that nation, Egypt, is part of your rescue plan for this family that carries the seed of Messiah. Lord, you are at work in us as well, in our lives, in our families, and you have never changed. So, Lord, we would trust you, the Almighty One. Help us learn lessons from Joseph. Amen. All right, let's read Genesis 45. Get my pages turned here. Here we go. Genesis 45, verses 8 to 13. We're going to back up just a touch <clears throat> to catch the, the passion and the flow here. 
Verse 8 says, Now therefore, this is Joseph speaking, Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord over all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. And he already said to them, Look, guys, this, this famine's been here two years. It's five more years to go, and it's going to be worse. I'm going to place you, verse 10, in the land of Goshen, and you will be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have, then I will also provide for you that you shall live through the years of famine to come, lest you and your household and all that you have be impoverished. And behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that's speaking to you. Go and tell my father. Get my father. Okay? Here's the first mention of the land of Goshen. Now in verse 16, immediately following, follow along. Then when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts, go to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. And, and so he sets this thing up. He sends wagons to transport their goods. And then Joseph gives gifts toward the end of this chapter. He, he clothes the new garments and, and money. At, and, and he sends a, a special gift off to his father, Jacob. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt. And ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread. And sustenance for his father on the journey. Okay, and the, they land in Canaan. And, and, the, and the, the message is, Joseph is alive, and Joseph is in charge, and Joseph says, you all come. Jacob says, we're going to do just that. And so chapter 46 shows them gathering up, and there's a, a genealogical list here of the sons of the sons of the sons. All right, But there's 70 people that get loaded on on the back of donkeys that walk with sticks in their hands or ride in the wagons, and they arrive in Egypt. Verse 28 of chapter 46 says, Now when he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before, them, before him to Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen, and Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. So this land of Goshen is north of Pharaoh's palace. They think probably at this stage he was in a, in a, in a great city called Thebes, which was on the, the Nile River south of Goshen. Goshen would have been much closer to the Mediterranean coast, closer to the Delta region. It was well watered. It was prime agricultural land. And so what Joseph does is he installs his family and their livestock and their flocks and herds. And in verse 30, see it, it shows, and, and then he says, I'm going to take you to Pharaoh. And when you get to Pharaoh, he's going to ask you, what's your occupation? And you will answer, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers that we may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. Here 
Joseph is at his most shrewd. He knows where he wants to put his family, in the best land. And he wants to put them someplace where the Egyptians will stay away. Chapter 47 begins with Joseph. He went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds, and all that they have, have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they're in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh is, is pleased to bless Isaac and his sons. Uh, Jacob and his sons, excuse me. Um, he's pleased to do that because Joseph has rescued and is in the process of rescuing his whole nation and causing his house to flourish. Pharaoh's, you know, Joseph is in charge of stewarding the whole house of Pharaoh as well. And so uh, Joseph, in his shrewd way, has now positioned his family in Goshen. Then he goes to Pharaoh and says, I've put them in Goshen, and here are five of my brothers. And Pharaoh turns and says, what is your manner of life? What is your occupation? And they say, we're shepherds. Well, that settles it. They need to be away from us and away from the palace of Thebes, and they ought to be in Goshen. In, in, in like four verses, Pharaoh confirms what God is doing. He, God is separating Jacob and his sons out of Canaan, away from Canaanite wickedness, and placing them in Egypt, away from the Egyptian culture so that they can multiply and grow and gain power and, and be employed and blessed even during a famine because they're going to be fed uh, during the entire period of time by Joseph. All right, as, as you can tell, I've, I'm beginning to skip here because I want us to highlight what is happening in the life of Joseph. There's lots of other references here to the brothers and to, to Jacob and what's going on. But this is sort of like saying, we're going to track the life of John the Baptist. Or we're going to track the life of John the Apostle. Well, there's lots of other disciples around the, the Apostle John, and there's lots of other events of Jesus there. But, but if you want to see who the Apostle John is, you select and you lift out so that you can see the man John. In this case, we're selecting and lifting out so that we can see the man Joseph. So we're going to read chapter 47, verses 13 to 26. Okay, this is after, after Jacob and his sons get installed in Goshen. Now, there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe. Now, wait a minute. There's been seven huge harvests, vast harvests. Astounding harvests. And, and Joseph went city by city, region by region, built the storehouses, and it says he gathered in the 20% that was for Pharaoh, and it was, it was so much that he couldn't count it. And all the other farmers and all the other regions were being blessed immensely. Their remaining 80% was astonishing. The question is, what did they do with it? Because they knew something was happening. They knew they were that... The government under Joseph was trying to store up because the word about the famine coming must have spread. And they didn't pay attention to that. And they saved some. But very quickly, very, very quickly, their lifestyle had consumed what they had set aside. And now, verse 13 says, there's no food in all of Egypt 
because the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? Our money is gone. Then Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I will give you food for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for horses and the flocks and herds and the donkeys, and he fed them with food in exchange for their livestock that year. Where do you suppose that surplus livestock went? I think it went to Goshen. I think Jacob and his sons were able to buy flocks and herds of astounding proportion for pennies on the dollar. All right, let's continue. And when that year was ended, they came back to Joseph the next year and said to him, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. And every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh, became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, they remove, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Only the lands of the priests he did not buy, for they were set up. There's an allotment to them from Pharaoh, and they lived off that allotment. And therefore he did not sell their, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have today bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now, here is seed for you that you may sow the land. So it, this is coming to the end of the famine period. Okay? And, it, you know, and he sets up the arrangement. Take this seed, you become sharecroppers. You plant that seed at the end of harvest, 20% off the top goes to Pharaoh in perpetuity. And when Moses recorded this, it was still the law of the land that Pharaoh got 20%. Verse 25 says, They said to him, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Here are people who have nothing. They are reduced to nothing. And yet they're rejoicing that, that Joseph has saved their lives. Verse 27 says, Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt and in Goshen, and they acquired property. They were fruitful and became very numerous. And, and Joseph, excuse me, and Jacob lived there in Goshen with his sons for 17 years. Okay, now Jacob is 147 years old, and he knows my, his end is near. And so in chapter 48, okay, he, he um, excuse me, the end of chapter 47, he calls for his son Joseph to become the executor, 
to his last, his last will and testament, his last desires. And he says, here, you slide your hand under my thigh and vow. You're going you're gonna to vow whatever I tell you to vow. This is the most intimate, um, shockingly intimate, sort of way to take a vow. But it's just like what Abraham did with his servant when he sent off his servant to get a wife for his son Isaac. Okay? And he turns to Joseph and he says, you vow this. That when I lie down with my fathers, when I'm gone, when I'm dead, you're going to carry me out of Egypt and bury me in the burial place. That was, remember where that was? That's where Abraham's bones are. That's where Sarah is buried. That's where Isaac is buried. Okay, it's the cave of Machpelah. Okay, that was what was purchased from uh, Ephron the Hittite. By Abraham, so that they could have a family burial spot. Joseph swears, I will do that. Okay? And, and it came about right away that, that uh, Joseph is at the end of his days. And, and Joseph um, is told, your father's sick. Get yourself down to Goshen. He arrives, and he brings his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. And... Um, he says, I'm, I'm your son. He has to introduce himself because um, Jacob can't see, just like Isaac can't see. He's, he's at the end of his life. His sight is very dim. Okay, And, and what proceeds here in chapter 48 is um, Jacob adopts the two sons of Joseph. And they're not kids. They're not toddlers. These, these are young men. They're 20 years at least, 20 years old. And uh, they come before Jacob again, um, and he arranges them. Uh, Jacob arranges them. He puts um, Ephraim on the left and Manasseh on the right, because Manasseh is firstborn, and the right hand of blessing is going to come down on the firstborn. And then in the adoption proceedings and the blessings over these young men, he, he switches his hands. He, he goes, oh, well, the right hand goes whoo, over to the left and he puts it on Ephraim's head and he takes the left hand and he crosses over and he puts it on Manasseh's head and he blesses the boys and he says that God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God that has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and may my name live on in them and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Joseph is in shock because he realizes his father's giving the blessing to the wrong son. And he tries to rearrange his father's hands. And, and Jacob says, no, my son, um, <clears throat> Manasseh is going to be great. But his younger brother Ephraim will be greater. His descendants shall be a multitude of nations. Now in the scriptures, we've already seen Seth son of Adam and Eve, is chosen over his older brother, Cain. Shem, younger brother of, Joseph, of Japheth, is chosen over Japheth, the son of Noah. Jacob, youngest, the youngest twin, the second-born twin, is chosen over Esau. And now, God supernaturally handpicks Ephraim over Manasseh. And then he turns, you know, Jacob turns and he says, 
and I shall give you one portion more than your brothers. Just in passing, you are now the firstborn. You're going to get the double portion. And that's confirmed in First Chronicles chapter 5, where it says, And Reuben, because he defiled his father's bed, he lay with the concubine, Bilhah. He wasn't the firstborn anymore. He didn't get the blessing. Joseph got the, first, the blessing of the firstborn. <clears throat> All right. Let's read chapter 49, verses 22 to 26. I'm going to go right over the prophetic blessings of all the other sons, and we're going to concentrate on the blessing for Joseph. And this is what he says in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. Its branches run over a wall. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained firm. And his hands were agile. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From the God of our Father who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessing of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of your Father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of the one distinguished amongst his brothers. Amazing stuff. All right, Forge family. It is, it is, it is sort of head-twisting, head uh, amazing, uh, because God chose Jacob here to be Israel, to be the patriarch. But Joseph, his son, is clearly the one who walks much more intimately with God. However, there's no tribe that's named for Joseph. And, and Joseph is not carrying the seed of the Messiah. See, that's Judah. Judah is the son who failed with his sons and then had a supposed illicit relationship with a Canaanite prostitute who is really his daughter-in-law in disguise too. And she conceives twins, one of whom, one of whom, Perez, carries the seed of Messiah. Okay, Joseph is not the father of the priesthood. That's Levi. Levi is one of the brothers that deceived the men of Shechem and then slaughtered them. And through all this crazy story, there's a word that we need to insert into our vocabulary. This is the election of God. See, that should profoundly encourage us because God takes flawed material like us and he, he sets out to do great and amazing things in his name. Let's pray. Father, you, you've opened our eyes to the story, to how you're working in the life of Joseph through the, his huge ups and downs, to, to position him, to bless him, to give him great authority. He saved nations, one of which is our heritage. And he did so by your hand. We honor you, Lord, for showing us some of your ways how you keep your promises. We want to go forward in this life into your kingdom 
following you, obeying you, just like Joseph did. Amen. All right, Forge family, and, and those of you who hear this that are scattered abroad, give credit to God. You know, you may not see what God's doing. You may not know what God is doing. You may be lamenting what you think God is doing, and he's dropped you, and he's left you, and he's abandoned you, and this isn't working. Give credit to God and set out to obey him because you have to trust him for the outcome. He is at work. Be like Joseph. All right, Forge family. I love you. See you soon.